0: This is Box to Box with Michael Edgley and Dean Hennessy. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. Absolutely fantastic!
1: Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that's everything football on Macquarie Radio NTS News Talk Sport. Tonight, you're with Michael Edgley and Dean Hennessy. First edition news with Willem van Dender and shortly... Uh, But off the back of his recent move from Queen's Park Rangers to the Owls, Sheffield Wednesday, our very special guest is Soccero Massimo Lawongo. And with a countdown to the A-League well underway, we'll check in with new franchise Western United and catch up with football director and former Soccero Steve Horvat. Then we'll head over to Honiara in the Solomon Islands to check in with Junior Matildas Head Coach Ray Dower to reflect on the tour of Tonga, Vanuatu and the Solomons. In the second hour, as always, we'll kick off with... Willem and second edition news and all the latest on Socceroos and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army. And then a double edition of Europe with Dean as we review the UEFA Super Cup, the first week of the Premier League in early championship form. Then we'll wrap it up with stoppage time as always. Greetings to my co-host, former Notts County man, Dean Hennessy. Welcome, yeah, Dino. Yeah, good to see you, Edge. Good to see you too. Uh, no Rob Gilbert tonight, but we'll uh, we'll be okay we'll with that. We'll bat on, I think. We no, will we'll bat on. We'll bat on. Um, speaking of batting on, um, I know we're a football show, but... Uh, you're looking forward to uh, trying to get some brandy points back uh, with the palms this week.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, there was a rain delay, and um, and I, you know, day one went out the window. But day two uh, could be interesting. So
1: anyway, um, for those <coughs> listeners, the reason I raise that is that there is a select group of former uh, former football uh, identities that uh, split along uh, nationality lines. And even though Dino's lived in Australia for 25 years, he can't, 36, 36 years, he can't bring himself to barrack for Australia in the cricket. He's got to barrack for England. <laughs> I thought I'd let everyone know that, so you can send him dirty messages on Twitter. Yeah, fair
3: enough. Fair enough. Okay, but Will. <coughs> You've got first edition news G'day Edge, Dean Yeah, the Young Socceroos have dropped to second in their group after a 3-0 loss to Malaysia in the AFF Under-18 Championships Now, as we speak, Gary Van Egmond's side have one match to play against Singapore where a result will ensure they progress to the semi-finals Interestingly, Malaysia is managed by former Perth Glory midfielder Brad Williams, so a bit of a slip up there. Edge, but Brad Maloney, yeah, uh, Brad Maloney rather. Yeah. So a bit uh, of a slip up, but they should still progress. Yeah, interesting.
1: I'm going to ask Eden a question here because there was a little bit of um, a little bit of focus on Twitter that Gary Egmont might have not been doing such a good job over in uh, Vietnam because uh, we lost to Malaysia 3-0. Yep. It looks like, based on the way the draw goes, we, we play Singapore as we're going to wear as we're recording the show, uh, the match is on right now. We're expecting yep. a, a big win. So Australia's likely to finish top of the group and go through to the semi-finals against Myanmar. But um, there's been uh, f- five games uh, every other day, so two games apart, the games. Yep. Um, there'd be a lot of squad changes. I personally don't think you can read too much into the results. Would you agree or no, with
2: No, I would, yeah. And I suppose I'm, I'm assuming it's quite warm over there as well.
1: Yeah, so, the game against Malaysia was a 3.30 kickoff and it was 34 degrees.
2: Yeah, so you put all that together, in the humidity, rotations. Heavy pitch. Yeah, so, and, and we don't forget, they, they'll have been coming in from a, from a winter that's been pretty fresh. So I think from that point of view, you can give them a little bit of a benefit of a doubt, but I think they need a result in this game just to make sure that they get to that semi-final.
1: That's right. They need to. They should beat Singapore, um, and, and <coughs> waiting for them if they win will be Myanmar. If they finish second in the group, we'll front up against Indonesia. But we're, we're in the stronger half of the group with them.
3: A-league club owners are undertaking a 100-day revolution to overhaul the way the competition is run. Sydney FC's Scott Barlow and Melbourne City's Simon Pearce presented to stakeholders at a summit in Sydney this week. It's believed transfers between clubs, expansion plans, and market, and a marketing overhaul were all on the agenda. Now, it also seems likely in the future, guys, that clubs the clubs who are now the owners will decide where expansion goes rather than sure about undertaking that. a bidding process as we saw under the FFA. Yeah, I'm not too sure about it either. I no, think that more clubs that come in should come probably well, organically from clubs that are already operate yeah, at state I levels. Think,
1: I think those people involved in the uh, second division uh, modelling and uh, the plans for what uh, is loosely called the championship It it is and it's getting a little
2: bit of i can and i want to say this just off the bat there was a lot of backlash from in this office as well about how much of a chance that would ever get airtime and i knew from day one it would we didn't know when and i'm really pleased now all of a sudden the ffa from what i've read in the press this week they're right behind it and they're going to support it and you know and we've had we've had chris uh speak to a whole host of clubs and uh he was very positive so um, from my point of view i'm glad i'm slightly part of it because i was part there from the beginning and i think it could be just revolutionized the whole <clears throat> the whole ecosystem of how australian football is played in this country and the a-league clubs I, I i've got a problem with where they're at with i mean i think that's where those League clubs will be aspiring to
3: So you're happy for the other clubs to go down the franchise route rather than looking from I'm clubs not, to I'm not
2: sure, I'm, I most probably don't know much
1: well,
3: about Tom Smithies uh,
1: wrote that uh, in this club presentation that was made by Scott Barlow, the chairman uh, of Sydney FC and Simon Pearce, the chairman of Melbourne City, was that they were going to undertake an international roadshow spruiking the expansion of the A-League along geographical lines uh, and that they were looking for investors in new clubs rather than go to the potential of clubs being grown from the second division. So, I mean, if that's what's been reported, what do you think about that?
2: Well, again, it's uh, I think once you get to promotion and relegation whenever that date comes, then that'll sort itself out. So, either way, it's going to be a journey, and only the the hierarchy can make a decision. I'm not really sure. I think I'm more more of the the, the voice of let's get the B league up so we've got something there that's going to be competitive, it's going to be different. Uh, then the NPL is going to get reviewed because obviously that will then become the third tier and the A League will go on their journey. And then from where we go, then then eventually, because part of our signing in Asia, you have to have promotion and relegation, and we keep forgetting that. Nobody ever seems to want to to attempt to actually uh, remedy. It, and finally, I think we're here now.
3: Let's hope we are. well said, Dean. The FFA has tabled a new deal to Sam Kerr as they look to keep the Matilda skipper in the W League. Kerr is of interest to a number of European clubs, and any move to the continent would mean a clash with the W League season. Kerr earned $300,000 as the league's first marquee player last season... I think at some stage she should go and have a crack at Europe, and I think the FFA should then split that money and put it into a couple of other players in the W League. Whether she stays on for this season or another one, she's only 25, so I think at some stage she will go. It's a really interesting
1: one because uh, if she does go to Europe, it's, it means the end of her American uh, contracts mm, as well. So that's you would, double barrel. So you would think that uh, that contract would have to be a huge one, considering that she is obviously the National Women's Soccer League in the US. Uh, uh, she's been a leading goal kicker for the last the goal scorer for the last two years. Um, Goal kicker. That was American football, wasn't it? That was. Well, she does play in America, <laughs> doesn't she? She's goal scorer for the last two years. So, so look, it'll be interesting to see. Um, she's having another stellar year with Chicago Red Stars. They're going to make the finals off the back of her form. 13-13 or 13-15 yeah, maybe. Yeah, so, look... Um, I'd like to see her remain as the figurehead and uh, the brand promotional tool for the W League. I think it's pretty important.
3: Fair enough. Joey Champness has put his football career on hold as he pursues a career in rap music. (laughs) Champness goes by the name of Joey C and has been granted indefinite leave to spend an extended period in LA, even though he has a three-year deal with the Jets. Here's some of his work.
1: Yeah, it's a war, right? Slippin for they fall, where floor sign. Trust that I don't see the bars, yo, but I'ma do 20 yo, more yo, before life's I done. We a war. I, I just need
3: the jewels in the studio. I had these boys. Quite like it. What are you making that do? <laughs> I like enjoy it. it no,
2: no, I actually like Joey. I don't know him well. I've met him, but I think he's a character, and he's got a bit of a voice there, better than mine anyway. I, I I, I,
1: I'm going to get off the fence and say <laughs> that. Uh, I would much prefer that he pursue his football career. I think he's got enormous talent. I think he has enormous he talent. Does. And I think he's wasting that talent by not uh, uh, pursuing a football career. And I'm very disappointed because I actually saw him as a player that could play for the Socceroos down the track. And um, he's pursuing a rap career. Good luck to him. But I think he's uh, I think he's pulled the wrong chain.
3: Yeah, I agree. From a purely football perspective, that is yeah, extremely disappointing. I think there's a deal in place that if he returns to football within the next three years, it will be at the Jets. But that's a big part of his development from 22 to 25. So
2: yeah, they're, they're yeah. massive. You, you learn the game and fully know it when you're around 25. You've you've seen that. It was only
1: it was only last less than a year ago that he tore Sydney FC apart at uh, at the old Allianz Stadium before it was torn down. He was he was fantastic.
3: And a little bit of news on a few Aussies at various stages of their careers. Brandon Borello looks in line to make his Bundesliga debut for Freiburg this week. He's back from his ACL injury. He played in the Cup, so that's really exciting. It's good. 17-year-old Caleb Watts has signed a three-year deal with Southampton. He's been earmarked by Trevor Morgan to feature at the Under-17 World Cup in November. And we know how good Southampton's Youth Academy yeah, and Program very is. Yeah, That's well, really exciting. Ex- it's excellent. And Dean, the bloke we've been speaking about from Brisbane Strikers, Andrew Pingilly. He's trialling with Central Coast, so there you go. that goes well yeah, for him Nothing
2: that, that, that could be down to you, couldn't it? A yeah,
3: well, yeah, little, yeah. Uh, little bit of a platform. A yeah, little
1: bit of a platform. Well done, Willem. And your man, Adam Taggett, uh, was named the K-League Player of the Month
3: for July. Fair enough as well. I and, and, uh, uh, another
1: he, one. He, uh, in his acceptance speech of his little trophy, said, I'd like to thank Willem van Denneren from, from Box to Box. I think
2: Willem might be going into a
1: career of personal an personal Keen listener of Box to Box, Adam it. <laughs> hey, uh, guess what's uh, after the break? Thanks, Willem. That was a great edition of First Edition News. You'll be back uh, for Second Edition News and also stop each time. We might even get you involved in the European discussions. But after the break, we've got uh, Sheffield Wednesday, the new player for the Owls, Massimo Luongo. Uh, join us right after the break. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The chemist warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings. And storage king. The king of storage, moving animal. and more. This could be the most crucial goal.
1: Welcome back to Box to Box on Macquarie Radio NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Michael Edgeley and Dean Hennessy today and we've got special guest, current legend, Socceroo, Massimo Luongo, who's moved from Queen's Park Rangers to Sheffield Wednesday in the last couple of weeks and he's brought with him to Sheffield Wednesday a bit of magic since he's arrived. They've won their first two games and they've had the best start uh, to their season in 23 years. So Massimo, are you cashing in on that magic you've brought to the club?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think it's been a good time for me to move and uh, I didn't know about that 23 year thing so that's
1: a good thing. It is a good um, thing. Yeah,
4: hopefully I can you know, keep that magic going and hopefully we can keep
1: going. Well, Mass, let's just talk about the move for a moment, what you can tell us. Obviously, everybody who's a Socceroo fan was waiting with bated breath. We we sort of heard bits of news that for various reasons that you might be moving but as the transfer sort of window went on, we didn't get a result for you and obviously all the way here in Australia, we were, I wouldn't say people were anxious but we we're very interested to see where you're landed. How long had you been talking to Sheffield Wednesday and did it happen quickly or was it a protracted thing?
4: Not really. It didn't happen quickly and I wasn't, it wasn't something that was going for a long time because of the financial situation they were in. I think over, ever since I've been there they've always recouped money and, and, and uh, sort of go the other way and, and try to get young players and make a profit from there. I think this year was, was the turning point after the big fine that we got. They sort of sat me down and said, we Literally, we can't afford you. You're the probably the most valuable asset at the moment. You know, we're going the new way. And, and you know, if you go, we can bring in to the three players. You know, I sat down with them and everything they said was honest and, and it was just time for me to move on. And they were trying to help me get the best possible move I could. Um, the problem is in England, everyone does their business in the last week. So it was all about everyone on preseason. It was just time. The last week was, or the last day, was, was the way it went. You know, and I... I Wednesday sort of came in about two weeks before I went up there. And then it goes cold for a little bit, negotiations start, and that takes a few days. Once, you know, we knew that they were interested, it, then it's a kind of a slow process. But, you know, sort of, for me, it was just about waiting around and waiting for teams to get back on pre-season or teams to come back on holiday. Oh, i think it's
2: a nice situation to be in but i got there in the end massimo it's dean here um obviously you you, you had a, a decent spell at queens park rangers and then obviously at the end it's you know it's not maybe it ended most probably the way the way you thought it would be with financial constraints from, from their part but yeah. what, what was your time at qpr like because i've I, I went to a game where qpr played at derby in 2017 and derby yeah. beat them and and i was i was actually <laughs> i was hoping to see you play but you were injured that particular day and i was sitting yeah. with some qpr like vips and i then they could overhear me talking in the background saying look they're not playing well it's uh, i think they're missing the uh, the boy from australia our lad uh, massimo malonga and he got, he got and the boys turn around straight away he goes we're not missing him. He's absolutely desperately needed in this team. He said he's the one that makes it tick, and the reason we're in the league and doing well this year is because of him. So that was that was from internal. So I was always, I'm, I'm most probably thinking that you did have a good spell in there where you really did enjoy playing there.
4: Yeah, I love. playing. The fans were good to me. The players, yeah. 99% of them were, you know, good. In my head, just the role I had at the club. You know, I had a good influence, a big influence in the dressing room. I think every new manager that came in knew my feelings but they you know, they would sort of bring me in and, and in my head I was thinking, Oh, I could be here for for a long time. Unfortunately, the way the clubs go and it was it was up one week and down the next week and, and we had the young, inexperienced players and it's hard to push on. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, it was it was hard week in week out to try and you know, get a result away at our the managers didn't help. I think it good managers, but I
1: think it is the wrong time for them. Massimo, obviously looking ahead to your future at Sheffield Wednesday, it appears looking in from afar, and we are obviously over the other side of the world, we follow it closely, but it appears the ambition of the club is well and truly uh, alive, and um, judging by early results, I know you've won your first two games, it's very early in the season, but do you sense that there is a great ambition to push for promotion?
4: When I went there and signed, I realised how big their ambition was. I haven't had the best of luck for the last season. They had a promotion push with a loss in the final the year before that or maybe the year before that. But, yeah, being there and the size of the club, how important it is to you know, get promoted. And uh, I think there's no pressure on the players as such, but there is that pressure knowing that everyone expects Sheffield Wednesday to, to get promoted or to be in the top six and, and to really have a go. And that was probably one of the main reasons I signed. And the team they have on paper, honestly, the team they have, every time I play them, I think, wow, this team should be up there all the time because they've got some quality players. And watching them in the last few weeks, I've I realised, you know, they've got a really good team.
1: You're listening to Box the Box on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Socceroo and Sheffield Wednesday midfielder Massimo Lawongo.
2: Now, Massimo, talking about your home ground, a uh, certain Mr. Edgley, who you've just been speaking to myself, we're at Hillsborough one particular day, and the stadium is magnificent, isn't it? I mean, it's one of the best stadiums. I mean, that's that's what's holding some of the biggest semi finals going through the, the 70s and the 80s. You know, that's where the semi final venue with Villa, Villa Park parked next to it. So for me, it's a club that's underachieved, and I'm hoping that with your influence there and what you did at QPR, that this might be the year that. That they really push forward and possibly get into the Premier League and join Sheffield United.
4: Oh, yeah, I agree. Honestly, uh, as I said before, I didn't know what it was until I, you know, went there and played and I saw that what they had to offer. You know, our first game of the season we had 28,000 people.
2: Yeah, so, <laughs> and I bet they were noisy.
4: Yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable. So uh, I think stadium holds 40 or something like that. But it's an old school stadium, but wow, it, every time I play there, I. I they always sing a song just before kick-off, and, and you, you get shivers.
2: Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, you do, yeah, you do when yeah, you're yeah. in the crowd. So I don't know what it's like out on the pitch. Oh
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, you it, you get that feeling. All right, I'm at a I'm at a really big club here. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. They they've been out of it for for a while, but the message that I got from everyone, players, staff, you know, people in the board and stuff, you know, if and when up, it's going to be incredible.
1: Certainly is, Mass. We're terribly excited for you, but we're also excited because the World Cup qualifiers are about to start too, and I'm sure that you've had a look at uh, the draw, and you know that uh, Kuwait's not too far away, and uh, so is Chinese yeah. Taipei and, and then you've got a trip to Mount Everest to play Nepal There's a lot to look forward to But it is, as usual, um, Australia being in Asia uh, You only know it too well you've, It's been a remarkable amount of flight uh, that you guys have done yeah. First of all, you must have enjoyed the, the European summer off uh, No competitions to, uh, to keep you going So you've had a bit of a break But it's obviously going to be a long campaign But an exciting campaign with the Socceroos Yeah, we know
4: what to expect, most of us it's going to be a long, drooling process. and um, But it, it is what it is. You know, we've done it before. We've prepared a few of the players spoke to Graham Arnold, and the message was he knows how it is, how drooling it is. And this summer and the last international break, were so important just to give us a rest. I think 90% of us haven't had a proper pre-season for three, four years. And, you know, with a proper pre-season under our belt, I feel incredible. I think a few of the other boys are saying how good they feel, and and I I think it's important. I think you miss that, you know, that gruelling fitness that will just sort of chop you up for another season. And uh, I think it was the right decision for us to have that rest and, and to go again
1: or the next game. I think you're spot on Matt and uh, w- we obviously talk about that a lot, just the workload that is on you guys and not to mention just not the f- the amount of games that you play at club level as well as international fixtures but the travel. Yeah. people I mean I travel a lot with my job and uh, all over the world and, and, and I'm not an international footballer and I know how tired I get so um, the compounding you know, travel as well as games is the big one um, but at the end of this first phase of World Cup qualification there's something very exciting for all uh, Australian football fans, and that is Copa America. That must have twigged your uh, your interest, the, the ability to go to Argentina and and hopefully and on, on to Colombia in the finals in Copa America. That's something to look forward yeah. to as well, isn't it? Yeah,
4: you know we rarely get to test ourselves against that area. I think speaking to the manager Barry he, he's so excited about it. He really really wanted it. Um, and you know, first of all, we've got our qualifiers to deal with. Once we want to get that out, out of the way, and and we qualify in a good way, then we can focus on that. But you know, going forward as a as a nation, as a team, you know, as individuals, you know, I think you have to test yourself against different opposition and different styles of football. And that's perfect, honestly. That that tournament's massive, and if we do well. You know, that, that can change a lot of a lot of, a lot of people's perception on, on that soccer.
2: Mass, last question. Obviously, go back to the championship. You're top of the league as you stand. Who do you think are the clubs that you're worried at? Not so much worried about, but concerned about. Let's say in the top six. We will include Sheffield Wednesday in the top six. Who else do you think could um, be in there? Oh, I think Derby. Good boy, good yeah. boy. Like that. That's a good start, Mass. You and I go. You and I will go far. <laughs> do yeah, we do no we one finish one second one. in automatic? Uh, we'll, gi- we'll give you automatic. Yeah, no, right, give good you lad. Automatic. Yeah, you've got the job. Got, um, who
4: else? I think them two. I, th- I think the championship this year, because of the financial fair play, every sort of yeah
2: you know, yeah they tidied it up, bit, ain't ain't they? they? Yeah. The,
4: the good thing is it, it's levelled out the competition from the bottom to the top, and it allows for uh, the coaching. You know what I mean? For proper coaches to go in and. and, and
2: Yeah, do the work, yeah.
4: They are. And do the work, yeah, exactly. I think Derby, they've sort of kept their team, they've kept a lot of their players. Yeah. They've got that. I think, second Wednesday, we've kept a lot of the players as well, a lot of the main players going down... I'm thinking. Oh, Fulham, obviously. Fulham,
2: yeah. Yeah, um, I like uh, their manager as well. I think I think he could be quite good, Scotty Parker.
1: Hey, Massaro, you did well off uh, just thinking off the top of your head there with a question. Put him on the spot if it We've got one last bit of information (laughs) for you. I don't know whether you know this because you were only uh, two years of age, but your current gaffer. Lee Bullen. He played at Wollongong Wolves in the NSL in 1993 and 1994. Did you know that? I did know that. There you go. And has he talked to you about his time in Australia? Yeah, he did. Well, we lost Mass, so unfortunately the phone's disconnected, so that might just end our discussion with him, Dino. It was very good. I mean, we love talking to Massimo. We've had him on before. And, um, he's super. He's super, and we really hope that uh, everything that he said—it's obviously—he's very upbeat. The the vibe around Sheffield Wednesday, we, we can feel it over here because of, we've watched them in the first two games of the season. So um, we really hope he does very well because he's, he's an important link for the Socceroos, and uh, we wish him all the best, don't we, Dino?
2: Oh, we do, and I think if he keeps uh, predicting like he does, he could become one of my best friends. You know, Derby going up automatically—that'd be <laughs> he very <certainly> nice. Could. <laughs> hey, uh, after
1: the break, we're coming back to speak to Steve Horvat, uh, former Socceroo and obviously the football director at uh, Western United, the new A-League franchise. We'll just check in and see whether Steve's getting any any grey hairs. That's after the break on Box to Box. Box to Box.
0: Can you
1: believe it? The Chemist warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings. And storage king. The king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal
1: of all. Welcome back to Box to Box, the show that's everything football and Macquarie Radio, NTS News, Talk Sport. You're with... Michael Edgley and Dean Hersey tonight and off the back of that discussion with Socceroo Massimo Luongo, we go to a decorated former Socceroo, Steve Horvath, who these days he's, he's now not known as the former Socceroo he's known as the football director of Western United and I'm tipping Dino, I'm tipping this bloke's been the busiest man in football in the last year. <laughs> so be welcome, welcome to box the box, Steve Hilvert. Uh,
5: thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, look, it's uh, yeah, I've got a little bit on my plate, but uh, look, every day's a challenge, uh, but every day's rewarding. So good stuff.
1: Well, for people like us that uh, don't have to do the heavy lifting like you do, we just look at the uh, the news that's been flooding out of your organisation, and obviously the right at the top of the, the list of, of talking points to talk to you about, Steve, is the squad that you've assembled. And in our pre-production meeting, Dino sort of looked over the names and went, hmm, quite tasty. You've put together a very, what looks on paper, a very competitive unit. What can you just tell us generally about that task?
5: Yeah, look, it's been obviously um, you know, quite an effort to, to put a squad like that together together from scratch in such a short period of time, but, you know, really rewarding. We just got back from a pre-season camp up at the Gold Coast where we spent 10 days and it was really intense, you know, double sessions every day and then a lot of work around culture building and values and, and goal setting and those sort of things in the evening. So it was... It, it was It was tough, it was hard work, but really rewarding and and seeing you know sort of day in day out uh, boys on the training track and you know things starting to come together, players getting to know each other. you know when you think about it, you know when you're starting a, a club from scratch, you're basically getting uh, you know a, a group of twenty players who've hardly ever met and not know each other to to try and Joel in a short period of time. So you know the long preseason, as everyone talks about in the a league for for most clubs, for us, we'll need all of that uh, and more with plenty of games to, to make sure we get that balance. You know, we've got a lot of experience, uh, some good youth and, and some, some handy players and quality players that have been in the A-League system for, for a few years. So I'm really happy with the blend of, of youthful exuberance and, you know, some wise old heads on some uh, some really good shoulders.
1: And Steve, how's the journey been for you personally? Um, did you talk to other people that had experienced this before, building a club from scratch? You know, people like Ernie Merrick or, you know, Jeff Lord or or people that had been through this experience before because when you start it, it's like, you know, how do you eat an elephant one mouthful at a time? It just must be a, a constant uh, flow of energy that you've got to generate.
5: look, I, I suppose there's many people involved. It's not purely myself that's uh, yeah, doing sure heavy yeah. lifting as you would say, you know we're obviously we're we're doing a lot of things in conjunction with you know not only building the football, you know I'm solely focused on the football club side of things, the football department yeah. beyond the field. Um, scenario, whereas you've got other people in the business focusing on, you know, getting getting the, the land ready, the stadium up and running and, and, you know, the commercial side of things. So, you know, it's, it's a real team effort and obviously memberships went on sale yesterday so there's a whole team working, you know, around that, uh, you know, that have been working day and night over the last month to get that up and running and, uh, and on sale. So, you know, it really is a team effort, uh, you know, obviously... You know, the, the the sexy stuff almost is, you know, everyone wants to talk about the football and, and that side of things, which is great. But, you know, it really is uh, an enormous job and, and many hands uh, are, are doing the work. But, you know, in terms of, of the football side of things, you know, I spoke to quite a few people, obviously. You know, one was Gary Cole, who, yeah. you know, obviously played a big role in, in starting Victory Up. And, and, you know, he was really as well... You know, solely focused on developing that football element and that department and the culture and all those sort of things. So, and you know, among others, but you know, I think we've got some pretty good people involved. You know, and obviously, you know, the hiring of of Mark Rudan was really important. You know, for us and a big step. You know, I believe we sort of see really eye to eye on on culture and the way we want this football club to look and feel. There's plenty of people that have been on the journey. Obviously, Lou Sticker from you know from day one with me and, and Morris Bizzetto, who's worked tirelessly. You know, a lot more of the commercial side of the club so it really is a, a team effort and super exciting.
2: Steve it's Dean here it's, uh, one one congratulations of getting it to where it is right now and obviously still yep. plenty of work to do moving forward but what what we found I think in the early days uh, and, and I did smile a bit because obviously I know Johnny A pretty well and I know Hutch really well, yep. I'm really close yep. to both of them, that they, they got a job before the coach because obviously you, you were trying to most probably find the real fit that was there and that might have been a contractual thing. I don't know. I'm just reading between the lines because he was obviously with another club. But that they came in first. How important was it them getting them on the ground pretty quick?
5: Yeah, it was, and I think it was really important to start, you know, doing that early work in terms of identifying playing talent and and going out and physically, you know, doing the work, going out and scouting and and all that all those sort of things. Because you need plenty of eyeballs everywhere to to find the best squad and the best best players in a short period of time. So. You know, we, we knew that they were the right people culturally that were, uh, and in terms of what we wanted to look for in, in a football club. So, you know, we didn't have really any hesitation in, in making those decisions. And at the end of the day, you know, not only is this expansion club about giving opportunity for players, um, but it's also about giving opportunities for Australian coaches and Australian staff, you know, when you talk about... Um, you know people in the backroom staff physios you know football managers um, and coaches you know uh, that we've given opportunities to you know uh, young Australian talent so you know there's a lot of elements that go into a football club obviously everyone talks about the players but the backroom staff that we've assembled along with the assistant coaches is, is absolutely first class and it's a real joy to come into that training complex every day and and seeing every one of those staff members giving absolutely 100% effort if it's 7 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock at night. So super proud as well of, of the people we've assembled and, you know, the, the way they're applying themselves.
1: OK, um, Steve, um, you've got a good eye for this. You, you know uh, what you're doing. What can fans expect from your big-name signings, in particular, in particular Panayotis Kone, who's got an incredible CV, and his partner in crime, Alessandro Diamante? Tell us uh, about those two boys in particular and what you've seen to date and um, and what we can expect.
5: Well, look, it's interesting. You know, obviously spending those 10 days away, you know, everyone living in each other's pockets, you know, day and night... Um, you know, it's been it's been really, uh, it's been fantastic to see, you know, obviously their technical ability on the ball is, is second to none. The phenomenal players, uh, you know, some of the things that they do with the ball, um, especially what I saw up, up on camp was, was nothing short of uh, remarkable. And I'm sure the fans are absolutely going to be thrilled when they see it on the park. But it's the other stuff, you know, the hard work, the, 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 Talking to the younger players, you know, putting their arm around them, explaining, you know, what what they should be doing in this situation. It's almost like having some more assistant coaches on the park, you know, which I think is really going to benefit. You know, you add, you know, other experienced players like Erson Gulen and, and Andrew Durante and these sort of guys, Scotty McDonald, who have been around and are, and are just willing to, to give as much information as they can to to the other players. You know, it's it's really something we were. Uh, really um, conscious of in terms of who we were signing at, at, you know, in terms of possibly the older statesman of the the group. But, you know, they're they're all hungry as well. Scotty McDonald's come back. He's hungry to, you know, to to play back in Australia. You know, Jura as well and and You know, everyone is really desperate to, to make sure we achieve something in this first year. Now, where we end up, you know, time will only tell, but I think the mindset from everybody in, in the in the uh, in the squad is fantastic.
2: Steve, uh, the stadium and obviously your training facility. I mean, they're obviously vital day in, day out for training where, where you where you base. For, for our listeners, could you just explain where we're at with that, with regards to where they're currently training, and then obviously the stadium and and how long will it be before it's uh, it's built? We're still on
5: track to hopefully be in there in season three. Uh, there's, they're working through where hope we looking to turn dirt as, as soon as possible uh, in terms of, you know, the first phase of the development will be um, the training facility um, and the stadium. Uh, there will be other elements to the sports precinct that we build uh, as we go. But, you know, those things are still on track. But, you know, in, in the interim, we've, we've landed with a with a great partnership um, out of Caroline Springs, George Cross in the city of Melton. It's fabulous, where, isn't it? Uh, absolutely world-class uh, facility. And, uh, you know, I can't thank uh, George Cross enough for, you know, really being a partner with us over these next two years and, and you know, giving us, you know, the opportunity to give. And, and this is something that's really been an issue for expansion teams in the A-League. When they do come in, you know, where do they play from, from day one? Where do they train from day one? And, and we've solved that problem beautifully with you know, incredible facility that has two... Absolute pristine grass pitches, two synthetic pitches, and and superb facilities. So, you know, we couldn't be happier where we are. The players are absolutely settled, and uh, it's been a great start in pre season training.
1: Steve, we've loved having you on. I know that uh, we'll get you back on as uh, the season draws closer and we uh, count down to round one Wellington Phoenix versus Western United over in New Zealand. Um, We wish you all the very best. Um, I haven't seen you for a while, so I'm expecting a few more grey hairs next time I see you.
5: <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely uh, there's plenty of those coming through, mate.
1: But uh, I know all the Victorian fans, that regardless of whether you um, have an A-League team already uh, or whether you're involved in uh, the NPL or grassroots football, we're so excited about the third team in Melbourne um, that we wish you all the best and uh, everyone's watching with great interest. So thanks, uh, former soccerroo Steve Horvath and Football Director of Western United. Uh, all the best, Steve.
2: Sure, Steve. Thanks a lot. Appreciate
5: you having me on, guys.
1: No worries, Steve. And after the break, we're going to be back and we're going to be talking to Ray Dower over in Honiara in uh, the Solomon Islands about the Junior Matildas and uh, how their, uh, their uh, games against Tonga, uh, Vanuatu and uh, Solomon Islands have been going. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The King of Storage, Moving and More. And this could be the most crucial goal.
1: Welcome back to Box to Box on Macquarie Radio, NTS News, Talk Sport. You're with Michael Edgeley and Dean Hennessy. Uh, Rob Gilbert has got the night off, and uh, Dino, uh, I'm the lucky man to do the, the partnership with you for this for this segment. And uh, we're going uh, we're going tropical. We're going pick up, we're right? going over to the Solomon Islands because we've got the Junior Matildas coach, the lovely Ray Dower who's been over there, uh, toiling away, preparing the Junior Matildas for their upcoming um, Asian Championship, which is the qualification for the FIFA World Cup next year. And before we say hello to Ray, um, uh, it's a big year for football. It's a big year every year for football. All these Junior teams play all over the place. You know, the uh, the under-18 boys, uh, which are the under-19, the future under-20s, they're in Vietnam, as we speak, playing. And the young Junior Matildas have been uh, in Tonga, they've been in Samoa, and now in the Solomon Islands. Oh, sorry, Vanuatu I should say, now the Solomon Islands. So Earth to Ray Dowler in Honiara in the Solomon Islands. How's the technology <laughs> get working? Can you hear us, Ray? <laughs> yes,
6: yes, well and truly, lads. Thank you very much. Uh, we have had a little bit of issues with the WIFI and reception come these past, but uh, but I can hear you loud and clear at
1: the moment. Now, this is a, a quite an important trip that you've undertaken because it's about preparation for the final stage of qualifying in Chonburi in Thailand. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but uh, for those people that have been like me following the Matildas on social media you've been doing a fabulous job of giving us a little bit of a window in what's going on there obviously we should explain that this is part of the the support of the government this tour has been part of our engagement with the Pacific Islands the re-engagement and it's just been fabulous to get a bit of a window into what's been happening with uh, your players and the team uh, Ray I know that competition has been Probably not what we're used to. Uh, some of these nations are, are quite underdeveloped from a football perspective, but it's been um, a wonderful experience and probably great training and great uh, time to be together in preparation for what's, uh, what's ahead.
6: Yeah, absolutely. What it's done is it's you know given the girls a, a great opportunity to, to travel together, experience, have overseas travel, to, to some international matches, and, and you know give a bit more depth to the, players in the squad. So it was a good opportunity to be able to travel to see them play, and play and haven't necessarily been, you know, challenging as we may have found it, you know, with other avenues. But certainly, the on and off field, that the players have been able to to get a, a well worth uh, the trip to here, and you know, part of the Pacific step up from the the federal government, as you said, part of the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade and and we've been able to have a really great
1: two-week training camp. Ray, what I'm really interested in is that what I've been big on is football has uh, great uh, potential for the government to engage in activities like this by using football Uh, and when they do make an investment the federal government, we benefit and the benefit is, uh, like you said, that two-week training camp and I'd imagine there's been no other under-16 junior Matildas team that's had this opportunity to spend time together before a major tournament. So it's working both ways. We're working for the government in their engagement strategy, but we're also getting benefits associated with it. So the partnership's working really well, isn't
6: it? Oh, absolutely. This two-week opportunity for, you know to, to spend time together, travel together, train together, and to, to get all that information and get all that uh, you know, work together with the players. We wouldn't have been able to do that, Australia, and, and certainly, as I said, we've got the extra bonus of having the heat and the humidity, which was really sapping here again today in Honiara, and to be able to have that uh, to prepare the girls uh, away from, a uh, you know, a, an Australian winter is really beneficial. We, you know, we'll be heading to Thailand where it will be, uh, you know, 38 degrees and 85-plus uh, percent humidity, so that preparation for the girls has, you know, uh, has been, you know, a, a real bonus and as I said the opportunity to travel together to you know, living in and out in pocket, pockets, have that international travel, adjusting to new foods, new climates is, is you know
2: been really beneficial as well. Hi, Ray, it's Dean here. Welcome, uh, welcome aboard, and uh, I hope you're uh, you've been enjoying the, the trip over there. I think it's I think it's good for for a coach and the staff and also the players. Is that it's quite a unique opportunity when you go abroad and and, and you travel. Uh, I mean, I think if you go interstate, it, it's one thing, but I think if you go abroad and see how the other half live, you learn a lot about yourself and I think for you as a coach as well you see how the girls are acclimatising to that and how they're dealing with it
6: absolutely look all the players and all the staff you know we've been quite humbled on occasion, you know, uh, with um, you know the countries that we visited and, and certainly the, the warm, generous welcome that we've received and, and the smiles on players and the people's faces just by having us there has been very, very rewarding. But also, as you say, you know, to actually see some of the challenges that some of these countries are facing in terms of being able to get their players onto the field, it's really real and it, it gives you a different perspective on life and it certainly brings about a, a lot of humility and a lot of gratitude, as I said, for not only the players, but the
2: at work. Also, you know, with your training project, you know, when you're actually doing your training, have you training them different to what they do back home, or is it pretty similar, but just maybe the, the, the temperature and, uh, and the climate and the, the surroundings are the only different thing?
6: It's kind of like a in tournaments sort them of, like, a year. So, you know, generally when when we're away in tournament, we'll play a match day, and then the next day, which is, is your recovery, is actually also then match day minus one for your next day. Yeah. So, at least with the Asian Championships, we've got two days in between. So, you know, we've got the opportunity when we're here on a tour like this to be able to play, you know, we've played three games in seven days. You know, we've had, we've had four training sessions. We've had a joint training session. With Tom, the Tom's women's uh, under 19 national team, that would oh, uh... be good. Yeah, it was a first experience for all of us. We actually all trained together the day before we could each other So uh, you know, we've had some experiences like that, which are you know, which are one-off for all of us. It's really been really a-, a great opportunity to get into that tournament mode. Really, with game on, sort of day off, bit of travel, then another game the next day.
1: Ray, I noticed that uh, for those people that follow the W League and uh, obviously the the women's national teams. You've got Emma Checker and Hannah Brewer with you, I believe. Can you just give us a bit of a window into what's their responsibilities on tour and how they've been working with uh, your players?
6: Yeah, that's part of this entire project, was not only the opportunity for the junior fielders to travel, but we've had three W League and and FIFA referees here as well. We've had coach education staff here, we've had uh, an extended group of of media here, and and we've also had uh, Emma and Hannah here, as you said, And, and so they've... Helps participate in the clinics with some of the off the field activities that we've done, but they've also been here as like a, you know, in a leadership sort of capacity as a player mentor to the young girls and, and, you know, the players have been able to, you know, sit down and, and speak to, you know, to Emma and Hannah about all things related to being professional footballer and you know the ups and downs that come with that, and, and you know the girls have, have been great, and I've forged that sort of bond with both those players when I coached them at United, and they've been awesome. And um, you know, as I said, the on, on and off the field capacity that, that they've utilized been utilized in, in has been a real bust for the for the actual tour.
2: Ray, when you come back, what's next? Once we go back, do you have like a bit of a debriefing, uh, and then the, what's the next stage of uh, moving forward uh, in this calendar year?
6: We don't have a lot of time to to sit and rest. Or actually. A bit of, uh, just <laughs> Just this evening already, uh, we're working on uh, next preparation. So we've got a, a week back at home, uh, and then we're a week in camp at uh, uh, at the Gold Coast from the 26th to the 30th. We'll be in um, in camp again. We'll have another week off after that, and, and then we essentially get into our pre-tournament camp. as we'll have a few days together at VSP uh, in Sydney, and then we'll head off on the tenth of September to Thailand. So there's not a lot of down time, Some of the has already started and certainly planning ahead. You know, the only sound note on, on a great win today was the Got a couple of injuries to a couple of the players, but what we need to do to make sure we can assess so that everyone's you know that's injured is gets an opportunity to get themselves back on the park. And, and as I said, there was a, there's a few players that we exposed to this environment for the first time, so we had six players make their debuts on tour this time round. Uh, we've got an extended squad, so it's it's trying to uh, pick the right squad and get that right balance to go away to Thailand.
1: In Thailand, obviously we're in the group with Japan, Thailand, and Bangladesh. But your probably your toughest game based on form is going to be the first game you play against Japan and it's going to be a critical game so everything must be pointing towards that
6: yeah absolutely and we, we've done that since the day one that we got into camp here at Narrabeen um, the girls all got together and it was 44 days uh, from when we first got together as a group uh, this time around we haven't seen the girls really since middle of March and that was the first time we sort of sat down and we said well in 44 days time you know that, that's the big test against Japan and if you're ever going to play and it's probably good to play them first up when you're uh, you, you know when you're fresh and no injuries where really excited about the challenge to take them on they'd probably deem them the most successful team, not only through the Asian Confederation, but you know, throughout the world in this uh, under seventeen and uh, you know potentially under twenty age group. So you know we're excited to play against them, and it'll give us a really good opportunity to see where we're at if we uh, want to win one of those top two spaces for uh, the World Cup next year in India.
1: Well, we wish you well, Ray. It's been fabulous to talk to you in Honiara in the Solomon Islands. Uh, for those people that haven't uh, had a look, get onto social media and either Twitter or Instagram in particular, and check out the Matildas. Uh, account and uh, see some of the fine work that uh, the FFA media guys have been putting out. It is really uh, quite a sensational activity that uh, Ray and her uh, players have been going through not only the business of preparing for the upcoming uh, Asian Championship but also the engagement activities I think it's uh, fantastic. I'm sure the girls that are participating with you, the players will remember it forever. Ray, you have our best wishes we're all behind you. Good luck in your preparations and uh, go and get those three points against Japan in the first game on the 15th of September
6: That's the plan Michael, enough thanks very much for the chat and we want a, want a plane back to a very cold
1: Australia tomorrow. Uh, thanks we, Ray. Well, safe travels and uh, that's fantastic radio. I mean it just proves how much the Federation actually does doesn't it do? It does,
2: it's good, it's encouraging and it's great for the young young girls uh, getting a massive experience uh, overseas I think. They'll come back and they most probably won't recognise how much they've learnt until it's a little bit later.
1: Absolutely in and how exciting lives. for those girls who've had that experience and they've got the one in Thailand ahead of them. That's the first hour wrapped up for Box to Box. After the break we'll have News Part 2 with Willem. Then we'll do a couple of editions on Europe and uh, end up with stoppage time. So don't go away. Plenty more on Box to Box. Now,
0: this is Box to Box with Michael Edgeley and Dean Hennessy. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. Absolutely
1: fantastic! And the first hour of Box to Box was absolutely fantastic, as Martin Tyler says in the... uh, Opening sting of our show, Dino, uh, because we had obviously Massimo Luongo, uh we had Steve Horvat, we've had Ray Dower. Uh, it's been a packed first hour, but now we've got News Edition two, and uh, it's uh, Socceroos and Matilda Central for the grand final. Just, just before
2: we start, though, I've got a great story about Martin Tyler. Okay, but we will. Do you want to just quick yeah, one? absolutely. So we're trying to get World Cup tickets, right? And uh, impossible. And this is in Japan, and. Um, through my dad's contacts, he, he ring someone, and then they ring me and say, "Right, ring Martin Tyler." So he was, uh, he was actually commentating in Korea. We were flying out, so. Just going there with nothing. Anyway, 2002. 2002. So all of a sudden the phone answers. Yep, Martin Tyler. I said, oh hi Martin, it's Dean Hennessy. He goes, Hennessy, you're not Terry's lad, are you? He goes, yeah, yeah. Oh bloody hell, I remember your dad and that. You know, I like, I like that. Yeah. I said, listen, I was just wondering. I'm looking for five tickets for the quarterfinal against Brazil. And he went, just hold on a minute. No, 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 there's a flying pig just flying through past me window. <laughs> How good was that? That was his comeback. He said, Dean, you're kidding, are you? Yeah? He said, No, look, I'll put you on a tout. And he put us onto a tout, and it cost us 1100 US per ticket.
1: But you got the tickets. But we got the
2: tickets. Anyway, just when Martin Tyler, then he just, just took me back.
1: Anyway, back the, to you. It sounds like about 3,000 phone calls I get when I'm running a tour to the World Cup. Mm, <laughs> it'd be frustrating <laughs> to be on the other
3: side of. It uh, is. Exactly it right. So we will start with Socceroos and Matilda yeah. Central for the Green and Gold Army. Support the Socceroos in their World Cup qualifier against Chinese Taipei in October. Later in October, you can also support the Young Matildas at the Asian Cup in Thailand. Both packages are available online. Head to ggatravel.com. Sam Kerr, we spoke about her in the first hour. She was back on the score sheet for Chicago, netting in the 91st minute in a 2-1 loss to Sky Blue FC. Chicago remained second on 29 points, behind Portland on 30. Speaking of Portland, Hayley Rasso replaced Caitlin Ford and put herself about. She was involved in two goal line scrambles, which eventuated in own goals, so they had the win there. Ellie Carpenter made her return from injury off the bench. Claire Polkinghorne and Kai Simon both played in Houston's 1-0 win, while Alana Kennedy and Steph Catley also played full matches. There were a number of Aussies in action in the Champions League qualifiers at the edge. Did you want to go through the Aussies who have- uh, made transfer moves first. After you. Okay, so we'll start. So Milosh Deganek and James Holland. They're both through to the final round playoffs. Degenek played ninety minutes and converted in the shootout for Red Star Belgrade against Copenhagen. They will now play a two leg tie against Young Boys. James Holland helped LASK Linz to a three one victory over Basel, that's his Austrian side, his Linz. So he had an assist and a say in another goal, so they'll now meet Bruges in Belgium. Unfortunately though, as his Bayic, Tom Rogic and Daniel Arzani all had their Champions League dreams dashed. Celtic crashed out against Romanian side Cluj, which is called causing shockwaves over in the UK. And Bayech's Basak Sahia lost to Olympiacos. And finally, Joe Coletti, who I thought was really unlucky to get cut from Brisbane Raw, he's landed at Norwegian third division club Floro SK. So a long way back for Joey, but I still think he's got a big future.
1: So do I. Uh, he'll have to do some uh, graft and hard work in the Norwegian third division and uh, he'll have some cold afternoons. No he
2: certainly will over there. <laughs>
1: uh, Dino, I just thought we would go through, uh, get your reaction to some of these. It's always good at the end of the transfer window to sort of summarise what's happened to the Socceroos. Yep. As he's his he moved from PSV Eindhoven where he didn't really have a happy time, didn't get a lot of time. He's moved to Istanbul, uh, back at um, They are the third Club in Istanbul, they're Istanbul, not a small yeah. club, they're not a large club, but they're they a pretty good club. You would expect with him, with his Turkish background and language and his previous career Most in probably the, the Superliga there, I yeah, think it's a good fit. A fit. I think uh, he's he's going to do well. Milos Teganak, there was never any doubt about this. He, just, he went to Saudi Arabia to pick up some super innovation because he's still playing at his the club of his boyhood dreams, Red Star Belgrade. He's gone back from Al-Halal, the massive club in Riyadh, Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, to Red Star Belgrade. And, um, and obviously, you've only got to follow him on Instagram to know how much he's in love with that club and the fans. And uh, I think uh, he would have re posted on Instagram every one of those fans who videoed him scoring the penalty in this uh, this game, Willem.
3: Yeah, that's what football's all about. A lot of pl- people go, oh, why wouldn't you push yourself, play at the highest level possible? Not to say that Red Star's not a high level, but a lot of the time players don't necessarily love the club they play for, they're just progressing through their careers. He genuinely loves that club and that's you know, If he's getting in happiness, it yeah, no, doesn't look, happen you, enough, you, I think. Look,
2: you play your best football when you're the happiest, and yep. if you're happy there, then it all works. I mean, and and he's playing internationally as well, so it's all ticking boxes.
1: Hey, Alex Gersbeck is a player that I actually rate. Um, he got his opportunity in the Socceroos under Ange Postacoglu. We haven't seen much of him really uh, since those times, but he's, he's in and around squads. He's gone from the Norwegian Giants Rosenberg to AGF Aharis in Denmark, Dino, what do you think of that
2: move? I don't know. I mean, if he's, if he's going to be playing every week, then that's a good thing. I'm not sure about the Danish league and how strong it is. Uh, but look, again, well, I, he's I, the same I, club I, I, it'd be as, interesting as to see how many games he's actually played since he's been away.
3: He played a stack at Rosenburg. It was going really yeah. well for him. I think he then struggled to get out and move up the grades. They sort of said, well, if you want to move, we're not going to play. So he was stuck there. Yeah. He then went to Holland and that side got relegated, so that was probably the club going downhill rather than his career. He's now 22, so I agree, he really does need to start playing at Aarhus.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you you listen to a lot of pundits, even on on radio shows like Talk Sport, and they talk about players who, like, like for Harry Maguire Harry Maguire by 21 had played 120 league games Mm -hmm, and it was at lower levels but he played it and he was battle hardened so that's you know then that was his platform to go to the next level some of these lads have not kicked a ball for for months
1: and they're just training. And What's it's... the pronunciation of that club again?
3: Ah-House, Ah-House. <laughs> so sure. no, well done. Ah-House. Hey, uh, obviously, a Craig Goodwin. In the middle uh, of our street. You invited me over, Dean.
1: <laughs> Craig Goodwin has moved from Adelaide United to Saudi Arabia outfit Al-Wahida. We know what all that's about. That's obviously an opportunity for him to cash in. I hope that doesn't impact on his Socceroos chances. He's a player that's a classy player and uh, I thought uh, did a fine job. Robbie Cruz, or as they say in uh, Germany, Cruzer. Uh, he's moved from, obviously, VFL Bochum to Melbourne Victory. And we know that uh, he's come home to a certain extent to the club that gave him an opportunity. Massimo Loongo, we spoke to at great length in the previous hour of the show, from Queen's Park Rangers to Sheffield Wednesday. Mark Milligan, this is the one I want to talk to you about. Mel was he? He's gone for Himberny, and we were, he actually played most of the games when he transferred there. And he's gone to South End United. Um, which is yeah, a,
2: but there's there's a little there's a little trigger for that. There's a coaching position coming up once he finishes.
1: Yeah, so but he's obviously taken on the captaincy and they've had a, a pretty ordinary start to this I, season. They've I, lost I, both games.
2: Look, I think, I mean, from Mills' point, of view, I think it's a good it's a good platform to build on. I mean, obviously they've got good to for get,
1: the Socceroos or not? Um,
2: not sure. I not think sure. Arnold
1: rates him highly. Yeah, would, yeah I'm uh, not sure.
2: Um, but again, as long as he's playing regular football, that's that's what you want, and that's not an easy lead to play in either.
1: We spoke about this last week, it wasn't absolutely confirmed, but Aaron Moy on loan down to Brighton from Huddersfield.
3: Very excited about this one, certainly makes it easier for me watching the Aussies in the Premier League to have more playing at once, so very excited. I think he'll slot in, do really well there by all reports, the manager likes to play that style of football along the ground.
2: Tell you what, they had some good, good result in the first week.
1: They certainly Watford did. Didn't they? Away. Yeah, that's a. We'll talk about that when when we get to the Premier League segment. That's a big. Big one. This one I quite like. Andrew Naboot. He wasn't getting regular game time at Urua Red Diamonds. He had some injury problems up there. He seems to be fully fit, and he's come to Melbourne Victory. I think he'll explode in the A League this year. I think he'll be, look out. He's the he's he's the top goal scorer
3: as far as I'm concerned. He's the one to beat.
2: For big words, yes. Okay, well, uh, we'll put that in right in there, uh, Willem. Just make sure we uh, we'll quote that.
3: Just record that one. Nigel played in May. Yeah. Come Grand Final, <laughs> Palms, see how that's going for you, Litch. No, no, I'm supremely <laughs> confident about that one. Uh, Harry Souter.
1: Um, we don't know a lot about Harry, but he's gone from Stoke City to Fleetwood Town, and the cockroach at Fleetwood Town, the gaffer, is talking him up.
2: Yeah, um, look, again, I think it's if he's not playing regular football, that's the reason you're moving. You, you've got to be playing. You can't keep watching. You, know? you don't learn anything watching.
3: Willem, you got any more news for us? I do indeed. Liverpool have become the first English winners of the European Super Cup in 14 years after defeating Chelsea 5-4 on penalties. The Super Cup is played between the winners of last year's Champions and Europa Leagues. New Liverpool keeper Adrian was the hero, as the Reds won 5-4 after a 2-2 draw. Here's Jurgen Klopp.
2: Adrian,
0: big night for him. He really, really enjoyed himself. What a story! Adrian! Like Rocky!
3: <laughs> Jurgen's having a good time at the Rocky. moment, I think. Notably, uh, Stephanie Frappart of France. Hang on, we got to talk match. about
1: that. Okay. Jurgen didn't expect Adrian to be goalkeeping in that game because he's... First choice goalkeeper slipped over and did his calf. Uh, look more like an Achilles to me, that one, but, um, What's interesting is that, uh, obviously, he filled him full of confidence and Jürgen Dino, pretty happy with uh, Adrian's performance yeah, in the uh, in the shootout.
2: Like, 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 well, is Two a Chelsea
1: good... fans thought he was off his line more than once.
2: Y- yeah, well, he was definitely on the, that one, but I feel sorry for Tammy Abraham. I mean, Tammy, <laughs> uh, I actually, I'm going to just admit it, I got up and I only saw that penalty, and when I saw him walking up, I went, no, nah, this is going to go wrong, and it did. And it was a poor penalty, straight at his feet, and he just got a foot to it. So but look I think from the the actual game itself I think that's the first time two british teams have, have, have played it out and, correct and it, it it was a massive like the atmosphere was like it was game on it was like a proper game Ch- chelsea have undone a lot of the uh, undone a lot of the hurt that they thought they did on on um, Saturday, when they play Man United, they got slaughtered in, in places on that, and I think that was a great way to return because they played really well.
3: And just quickly on that match, the referee was Stephanie Frappart, so she's the first good female mm. to referee a major European. And that's opponent.
2: good. You know, I think that's that's a, that's definitely a positive step as well. I mean, I know a lot of people have got queries on that, but certainly from our point of view, I think it's a, it was a good move. She she uh, did the Women's World Cup final as well.
3: Okay, Manchester City have admitted to breaching FIFA rules regarding finding underage players, but have avoided a transfer ban. They've been fined £315,000 for the breaches which occurred in 2016 after what they called a misinterpretation of the regulations in question. They were apparently fully compliant with the investigation and will be breathing a sigh of relief. It's I don't inter- think the 315 pounds will sting too No,
2: nah, the money won't, but what I'm interested in is what was the constraints that, that, that Chelsea didn't get away with and then they've got away with them? Are they similar?
3: Are you suggesting there's a bit of favouritism, Dean? I think money talks. I think Chelsea had 29 breaches. Manchester City had two, from what I could gather. Oh, OK. Yeah, so maybe the scale of the infringement. OK, fair enough.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Willem yeah. has the facts. I think 29 to 2 is quite a substantive.
3: Hey, Willem.
1: Good job there. Uh, Second edition news part two. That's very good. Stick around because after the break, we're going to talk more about the Super Cup and obviously we're going to look at the reflect on week one of the Premier League and Brighton and Hove Albion's shock win, uh, as well as looking ahead to this weekend's fixtures. So don't go away. We'll be back on Box to Box on Macquarie Radio News Talk Sport in just a moment. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. This could be the most crucial goal of all.
1: You're listening to Box to Box on Macquarie Radio MTS News Talk Sport. You're with Michael Edgeley and Dean Hennessy. And uh, now we're going to look at uh, a little bit of action out of Europe, in particular the UEFA Super Cup Final. Uh, Reflect a little bit on that. Champions League results midweek. And then, obviously, a bit of a review of the Premier League. So, uh, Willem van Deneren to join
3: us. Welcome back, Willem. Thank you, Michael. Good to be here.
2: Yes, it's it's, uh, a Super Cup that, for the first time, two English clubs uh, participated, obviously winning the Champions League and the Europa League finals. Uh, It was Liverpool-Chelsea. Quite a good game. Um, Liverpool, obviously would have been favourites going in especially after Chelsea's start I would have thought on the weekend and obviously being very close one being the champions of Europe and also runners up by one point but it was Oliver Giroud who scored in the 36th minute to get things moving and took up 1-0 lead in half time for then uh, Sano Mane uh, in the 48th minute to equalise which then took us into uh, extra time then in extra time uh, Mane struck with a 95th minute uh, finish and Giorgino in the 101st minute, which then took us on to penalties, which ended up, unfortunately, on the back end of Chelsea's uh, most probably heroic performance. And I think a lot of positives have come out of it. But basically where they're going to be at at the moment is it's, uh, it's a 5-4 loss and it was a, a poor old uh, Tammy Abraham. You know, I, I felt very sorry for him. You know, he had a poor, poor... Why not? Yeah, he, he was... Clever in the first game we get for Man United against Man United, caused them quite a few problems. Hit the post, hit the woodwork, but then all of a sudden, you know, it comes to a penalty, and I think his his confidence will be actually shattered. He looked devastated.
1: Willem, uh, just your opinion, uh, based at the end of at the end of uh, full time or extra time when it was when it was uh, two two before penalties. Who do you think was the better team? I'm going to guess Chelsea.
2: Uh, ah, Yeah, it? Chelsea Chelsea were That seems to be the pundit. Chelsea were the first in first half. Uh, yeah. but I think Liverpool came more back into its second half. Mm. And it was most probably the same result against Man United. They they've done well in the most first half.
1: Most of the punditry has been wrapping up Chelsea's effort, hasn't it, really yeah, rather than, very than much. Like, but anyway, that's interesting. And the other question I've got for both of you is I'll start with uh, Willem. Uh, where does the Super Cup Super Cup fit in the scheme of uh, European matches
3: and calendar, and also silverware. Where does it sit? Well, I said in second edition news that it was a major European Cup final. Now I must retract and say I hadn't actually heard of the competition, and I'm not too sure that it would be too high on my list of uh, well, it hasn't been priorities. That long, but yeah. I did see Liverpool on social media. were more than happy to spruik it as their fourth and yet another European Cup for the club.
2: Look, it's silverware. It's the champions of Europe, you know, from the two comp- European mm. competitions. So I get that. Um, do the players need it? Did they need extra time? Do they need penalties? Most probably not. not. Not off the back end of a disruptive pre-season like they all have now, where they all travel around the world. I don't know if, it, if that date is good, but what date is good? There's always, there's always going right. to be. That's right. Yeah. Know, for true. me, they've most probably got it out of the
1: way. Oh, I thought it was a big event. I thought the atmosphere was fantastic. I oh, thought it was superb. And proud. I thought though it Noise. was sheep stations. It wasn't uh, anything to be to be. To be uh, knocked in. Uh, judging by the way Liverpool celebrated, uh, they obviously prioritised it. So, well done to them.
3: It's a showpiece event, though, not a competition. Surely.
2: No, no, I agree. Yeah, it's just it a, a showpiece. It's just you know the two the two best European. Do you, know? do you know so champions league talk us through the champions well, I, I league what thought, happened this week we don't normally go round to qualifying from the third round but i just found it intriguing when some I'm of not, the clubs well, here well that's yeah. it so dynamo kiev and club bruges uh ended up 3-3 and it was 4-3 on aggregate to club bruges um ajax against payak um salonica i mean ajax got to the semi-finals last year and they're now still qualifying in the third round. I just don't get how they have to
1: go through that hoop. Just... Not, not only that, I think out of all the matches in this group, <laughs> I mean, I've got to talk about them because I know them well. Um, if they're Soloniki's largest and most successful club, bulk, They are a monster club. Yeah. They really are. They, they, co- they play at a place called Tumba. Um, basically, they've got one gigantic grandstand and the rest is just uh, standing room, like right yeah. around the ground. And they are famous for letting off about five million flares as the team look <laughs> out. You love the flares, don't you? Yeah, but this place is—it is, is as hostile atmosphere as you could possibly get. They actually uh, were leading after the first, uh, the first uh, um, leg. So Aix had some work to do—that to score three goals to get through. They've gone through 5-4. So not only is OX in in this qualifying process after finishing in the semi-finals. Of the competition last year, they have to go to a place like that,
2: I know. which is n- not easy. And I just don't get it. And I think this is what a lot of talk is. I mean, Especially you go to a semi final, and now yeah. you're still scrapping around in the third round. Yeah. I mean, yeah. anyway, the the other Celtic, the, well, Celtic. See you
1: later, brother. It, like,
2: for, for a lot of Scottish, the, boys. the, the Celtic Ooh. Rangers fans, will, you know, <laughs> like it's always to and from and... but. Another bad result. I mean, you know, three three four at home. They, they just were don't seem to have the best. Up, but cruising. they
1: just don't seem to have the best players available at this time of the they year. They don't.
2: And look and I think also, to be honest, a lot of the best players in Scotland, you know, Kieran Tierney just use him as an example, he's moved now down to Arsenal they're going to move they, because mm. that's where and, and I think if you listen to the pundits who are in international mind frame is try and get as many down there as you can because it's a better league better competition week in week out and they're going to be better players for it so anyway that's something that's been going on for years yes uh, let's Willem.
3: just give a little bit of love to our Romanian friends in Cluj, the yes, city they has been were the champions. a little bit of sporting love at the moment as well because I'm not sure if you guys saw they had the, the Romanian cricketer who was playing in the European league and he was he gained quite a bit of popularity on on social media no, It was good. quite awful To be perfectly uh, frank But he said he, <laughs> he loves cricket And he loves Kluge And now yeah The football team's doing alright as well
1: Oh no, there you go Well done Romania Fantastic And obviously Take us through the last game Porto. Well, Again it was only just because
2: FC Porto were there I think they were in the quarter finals Of the Champions League Or, mm. or at least Definitely the round of 16 Well they're not,
1: they're not going through they're The not Champions through League through, no, anymore
2: No they've, they've, they've crashed out
1: They've crashed out And uh, uh, FK Crasendor uh, 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 on a wake of goals
2: as well. So anyway, that's a bit of Champions League. I mean, obviously the uh, the group stages when we get to the more pointy end will be most probably a little bit more encouraging. Now, the EPL opener. What a what a first day for. Norwich and a baptism of fire going to Anfield. Um, they actually put up a good performance, to be quite honest. Well, they, they
1: scored the first goal, didn't they? They, they
2: did, yeah. And, uh,
1: Except it was for Liverpool. Correct, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know,
2: exactly. <laughs> and uh, and I thought I actually thought they played a decent brand of football, Norwich, and I think that's what got them up. I think I think it can be a little bit naive though, uh, and I think Villa paid the similar. Price, where they were in a good position, winning one nil at Tottenham, and then didn't really know how to see it out. And I think if you just keep playing and playing in a particular way, the top teams at this level will pull you apart. But anyway, Liverpool uh, losing, uh, sorry, Liverpool winning four one. It was almost business as usual. They were quite potent, uh, and that was the Friday game. So that opened the season, and then obviously. What'd you fancy in there? I mean,
1: well, I want to Le- talk about the Mon- biggest loser out of Saturday's games, which was West Ham United, uh, nilled yeah. at home uh, at the Olympic Stadium in London, Manchester City 5. Now, um, not an unexpected result in terms of Manchester City winning, but it was a it, it could have been 10. Yeah, it's all okay. right. And uh, I watched the game and there was a lot of um, optimism surrounding West Ham that game is a coach killer because they are on the back foot straight away we know uh, the coaches you know we can we can assume uh, what's going on during the week at West Ham it would have been look we've played the reigning champions you know they they're in full swing they're ready to go um, let's uh, regroup and see what happens but um, yeah that that would have that would have dented their confidence big time. That, that well,
2: the, the regroup is an important game, and that is against Brighton, and they're playing away there. And Brighton yeah. coming off a three nil win, it could be interesting. But you're quite right. Well, that was it, the it other is shot a coach, result, wasn't it, it is a yeah. coach killer, though. I mm, agree. Yeah. Uh, but but let's not let's not forget West Ham were built like, like most pundits in possibly the top 10, s- six, seven, yeah, eight, nine, right. 10 yep. in and around there, because mm. they mm. they've got a decent side, but. Doesn't that just show you how good Manchester City are?
1: Well, I mean, Mourinho's comments during the week that uh, their B-team could win the Premier League. <laughs> says something about it. But it let's talk about our Australian man. He kept a clean sheet away from home, Matty Ryan. Um, he did work quite well. He had a couple of good saves to make, but Watford, Neil Brighton and Hove Albion 3 was very... Um, they, they were actually on the back foot for the first half, Brighton, but um, uh, they got the job done. A couple of... Two substitutions at the same time, and uh, that opened the, uh, the floodgates and... You would, have, you would have been watching, Willem, as I spit that out. But uh, pretty uh, pretty great start by Brighton. Uh, even the most optimistic uh, Brighton Seagull fan wouldn't have uh, penciled that one in for a win.
3: No, it was definitely an unexpected result, as you said, for Brighton. The first half of the year be all about just getting to that magical 40-point mark, and there's three of them off to a really good start. Yeah, superb. And uh, obviously Aaron Moyer just observing from the bench, you'll get involved in the next couple of weeks, you'd think? Yeah, yes.
2: I yep. thought the other one that I was interested in was Burnley 3-0 against Southampton. Now, yeah, Burnley, they that faltered last year, as yeah. you well
3: know, because the year
2: before they mm. finished high, got into Europe, and they start really early, and they never really got going until the second half of the year. In fact, the last third of the season last year, Burnley would have been in fifth spot. That's how good they were playing to
1: get out of trouble. Well, that's a good result because Southampton didn't do such a bad job last year. And. not only that, I mean, when I I, I watch the mini match, so you could always be careful about talking after <laughs> watching the mini match because they look bloody good in the mini match. <laughs> they do, but they leave obviously two thirds of the game out. Uh, but I did read a fair bit of uh, the news out of Burnley, and um, it, it seems like they absolutely gave them a shot oh, and they dominated the entire game. So I watched that a game; it was good. Uh, and the other two games, or the other three games on Saturday, we should talk about. Obviously, uh, Bournemouth and Sheffield United, the Blades first back into the Premier League. They got a point away from home. They scored
2: with about a minute to go. Yeah, they would have been happy with that. And deserved it. most probably deserved a point out of that.
1: So that's a good start for them. And obviously, the game that I actually quite enjoyed, Crystal Palace and Everton. And we should just pause for a moment and talk about the return of the man, the great man, to Crystal Palace. There was a secret meeting. They all got together and said, Wilfred Tsar. Yeah. You come in. You got to come back. You got to bury the hatchet, and you got to play for us. He did. And uh, not only did he do that, he, he played in the game and uh, and made a contribution, and they got a pretty handy point against Everton.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, Everton are going to be at the pointy end. I think. Well, pointy ear end. I don't think they'll be at the top end of it.
1: But I think, um, yeah, a good. So, what t- did you make of the? Um, the coach had nothing to do with it. He, he says uh, Hodgesaurus said he had nothing to do with it. That, uh, that it was a player-driven meeting. In, um they the player one of the ex Liverpool player um, called him Saka. Up. Saka called him up and yeah. said um, we want to meet uh, you with a leadership group or uh, well, the senior players when want, want to meet yeah, you good. Uh, he came down and they they all had a crack at him said he to, said obviously everybody um, wants to move in their career at some point in time it doesn't go your way now it's now time to recommit yeah and uh, it sounds like that was a good move
3: yeah, it's really good to see, especially we see some of these players over in Spain at the moment behaving terribly when things don't go their way. So Wilfred, perhaps he's gone out and tested the market and seen there hasn't been a lot coming back for the price of club once. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully he can reintegrate nicely and be productive for the team because he's been a fantastic oh, look, player at that he, club. So it'll be shocking to see his reputation. He is a fantastic player and, and is right.
2: a, a smashing lad as well. You know, if you listen to the pundits, he's like a really good lad. And I think that the other game, obviously on Saturday, was the Tottenham Villa and uh, Villa. Took took the took game the lead. Yeah, they, they were leading took one nil lead, half time. Yeah. But uh, Harry Kane quality finishes two quality goals, and uh, he looks like he's uh, he's not missed a beat uh, since.
1: And I think also the the thing that I noticed uh, watching um, that uh, that game was that stadium is going to be a fortress. A fortress. Yeah, it's just it's... anybody who goes there is in for the shock of their life. You know the. the the crowd's it's right massive. on top of yeah, you. It's, it's right it's, on top of it It's since. fantastic. And, and I think Tottenham's going to... Uh, I think their home record this year will be very good.
2: Now, we had the Sunday uh, campaign. I watched the Leicester Wolves game the whole game and everything but the game. And it was a controversial goal that Wolves scored. Uh, and VAR, and, played and VAR, a, VAR played a part in it. And it's, it's the new rules with the handball. And it doesn't matter what part of the arm or hand it hits. It, it, they're now going to be deemed it's a penalty.
3: Yeah, you can't complain that the referee was at fault because he followed the rules correctly to the letter of the law. Yeah. So I think that needs to then be said that the laws need to change because you can't have a handball like that being chalked off and having a goal ruled out in a, in a match that otherwise had very few decent chances. chances yeah. It was a, a bit of a dull affair if that and goal And the Wolverhampton
1: counts. coach, he took a philosophical view saying that they're the rules and he didn't complain about it. He said, you know, we are got to cop it and move on.
2: Now uh, Newcastle didn't get off to the start they most probably wanted for Stevie Bruce. They
1: could have um, got something out of the game. Yeah, they, weren't, they, think, weren't yeah, they huffed and puffed. Arsenal gets their three points away from Aubameyang. home.
2: Aubameyang <laughs> uh, scored the goal and um, off to a good little start. And then obviously, I think most most people around the world now would know about Man United and Chelsea. It's been pretty well fodder in all the newspapers in England. But I, I think Frank's, I think Frank's going to do a better job than most people think. You know, I I actually do. I I think he did a good job at Derby in his first year, and that's always hard. But I think I know Chelsea's a different beast, and I get that. But I've I've got a feeling that that he will keep playing these boys, and they will get better and better.
1: Now, speaking of Chelsea, just uh, it's time to just take a little bit of a break before we preview uh, the games, and I wanted to get all the listeners to be aware of this. So, if you're a Chelsea fan, get down to Chemist Warehouse before the end of the 31st of August, because Um, If you buy uh, any Roxana product, you can enter a fantastic competition to see Chelsea play in London. Flights, accommodation, tickets, the works, behind-the-scenes tours, you name it. So even if you're not a Chelsea fan, pretend to be one. Go to any chemist's warehouse, buy a Roxana product, go to rexana.com.au, follow the Chelsea consumer promotional links on the homepage and enter your details as, in 25 words or less, which Chelsea player inspires you to move and why? So just think about that. Think about that. For me, it's uh, Olivier Giroud. He's the, he's the he's the man, he's the man for me that gets me excited about Chelsea. Um, but you need to be 18 or over to enter. But get down at Chemist Warehouse, buy your Exxana product, put in your uh, application before the end of August, and you could be off to see-, see Chelsea in London. Thank you very much, Chemist Warehouse.
2: Dino, um... Game of the round, I think we should start with. What is it? And it's jumping right out at me, and that's Manchester City against Tottenham Hotspur.
1: Certainly is, isn't it? That will be on Saturday at 5.30pm Manchester time, very early in the morning, on Sunday for us.
2: For us, yeah, Yeah. but I think it's it's most probably City's first major test of the season, and obviously the same for Tottenham, where... uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, I mean City what can you say about their performance last week but I think Tottenham come with a little bit more a little bit more than what you know, I think they should they should finish third. I mean, that's way I've predicted them to finish, and and I think they've they've had some really good uh, business in the transfer, bringing some really good players in to support what they already had. And and I think you said just earlier about the stadium and what comes with it. I know they're away from home, but I think if they can get a point up at City, they'll be well pleased with that.
1: Certainly will. Let's go through the rest of the games on Saturday. Arsenal will host Burnley. Uh, that'll be an interesting game, especially after Burnley's round one form. Aston Villa will host Bournemouth. Brighton and Hove Albion, uh, the Australians, let's hope both of them are in action, will host West Ham United. They'd have to go in favorites with them, wouldn't they?
3: I think they would indeed, especially at home.
1: Yep, absolutely. Everton and Watford—that's a tasty game. Uh, both teams got a lot. To, Old manager to prove as well. That's Old right. manager, exactly. he's still Marco Washington, Silver yeah. Cup, Marco. Yep. Yeah. Norwich City—they uh, host in Newcastle United. So can Steve Bruce get his first win? That's a, obviously a big game in the context of points needed for both those clubs Southampton and Liverpool you'd expect Liverpool to get the job done uh, down by the sea Liverpool will
2: be tired they will be tired uh, as will Chelsea but for this particular game because Chelsea got an extra day but they didn't get to bed till four o'clock this morning hmm Um, so, and that, I don't think that was celebrating that was just by the time they got the game was still being played at one o'clock
1: mm. in the morning Manchester City mm. Tottenham you spoke about it. on Sunday Sheffield United and Crystal Palace that's a tasty that's, game I
2: think that's good I think that's yeah. not a bad home game for, for Sheffield to like, right. try and get that's something right. there
1: and the boys at Palace they'll know about know about yeah, going that, up there yeah. uh, Chelsea and Leicester City that's another tasty it's, game yeah, Leicester a one, City yeah. obviously a, a club expected to finish in the top six and then on Monday the Monday night game I like this one yeah Wolverhampton and Manchester United
2: don't forget Wolves were the team that knocked uh, Man United out of the cup.
1: Well, that's uh, our Premier League Super Cup Champions League uh, all wrapped up in one. But after the break, we'll be back and we'll talk championship with Dean and Willem. Box to box. Can you believe it? The chemist warehouse,
0: home of real brands and real savings. And storage key, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal
1: of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Dean Hennessy. And Michael Edgeley, uh, we're into the second edition of our Bumper Europe segment. Uh, we're obviously, in the last segment, talked about the Premier League, the Super Cup, uh, Champions League. We're going to talk about Championship in a moment, just before I do that, Dino. Um, I was just actually looking at uh, the Storage King um, situation. And noticed that, uh, obviously, it's one of the key highlights about Storage King is that they have a high-security premises. You being a uh, football man and your father being such a significant... We store
2: there. We do. We've got all the 400
1: Over 400 games in the English top flight with your daddy. They have all sorts of medals and caps. and You'd you'd need a security storage facility for for the That's
2: exactly where they're they're hiding.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So that's awesome. Dino uses it. All uh, sizes catered for from one square metre upwards. Storage King specializes in self-storage for both commercial and domestic use. Um, Offer easy access to your goods... Storage King, they have the answer because they have all the space you need because they are the kings of the storage business, there's no doubt about it. So uh, the best place to go there is to go 1-800-STORAGE or go to storageking.com.au and you, like Dean's father, the great Terry Hennessy, 400 games in the top flight. He is all these medals and caps and balls and gear you can do too. So that's fantastic. Let's talk about the championship, which there's a few clubs in there that your old man played for. Yeah,
2: there is. Uh, they're all in there. Derby, yeah, they're all in there. Including Derby and Nottingham. Nottingham and uh, Birmingham. Um, Absolutely.
1: So they're all there. So let's have a look. Um, well, Dino, why don't you take us through the results quickly from well, quick, I mean, round, round two.
2: Round two. Leeds won. Nottingham Forest won. Birmingham City won. Bristol City won. Cardiff City 2-1 against Luton Charlton Athletic who have got off to a fabulous start around on six points a 3-1 win against Stoke Derby and Swansea fought out a 0-0 exciting draw I heard uh, Fulham 2-0 against Blackburn so they're up and running Hull City good win there for uh, Jackson uh, and he yep. scored so well done Jackson against Reading Middlesbrough got beat at home to Brentford so Brentford got a bit of a dodgy one the first game so they've bounced back Preston North End uh, 3-0 against Wigan Cooper QPR and Huddersfield Town 1-1. Sheffield Wednesday, Massimo Malongo uh, won 2-0. And he against, got on. He, he got played on. the
1: last sort of 20 minutes. Yeah, he yeah. did.
2: And uh, beat Barnsley and West Bromwich Albion
1: 1-1 with Millwall. Fantastic. So if we just have a look at the quick look at the ladder before we take it. Well, the
2: ladder at the moment, Sheffield on top with Charlton on six points. So they're uh, the ones who've got the you know 100% record. Then you've got Leeds on four, QPR on four, West Bromwich Albion on four and Derby on four which then finishes that's their top six it's only on goal difference uh, and then if you look below that it goes Swansea Birmingham Millwall Preston and that's the top 10 and then in the second below that you've got Fulham Cardiff Hull City Brentford Barnsley Wigan Luton Middlesbrough Huddersfield Nottingham Forest and Bristol City with the bottom three being currently Reading Stoke City, which is a worrying sign, and Blackburn, from falling out of the Premier League two seasons ago, struggling in the Championship last year, now in the bottom three with two defeats. It's not a good start for Stoke.
1: No, it's not a good start for Stoke, but there's also a couple of other uh, clubs down here with one point uh, that they uh, you must consider themselves... Uh, to get, the, get going. Bristol City, twenty first position. We didn't expect them to be No, I,
2: I fancied them to be a couple better. of tough games Yeah, they the have, start, but, but I think they've I mean look it's interesting when you look at I mean even Birmingham's got off to a really good start. Yeah, I mean, As of Millwall Millwall yeah, struggled yeah. late you know late the
1: So years. we all know that early points are very valuable. They are. And are uh, our dear friend John Beckett, he's Nottingham Forest.
2: They're not travelling too well. They're not, are they? They're so, hello,
1: not. John. I know he's been over in the continent with his uh, daughter Molly he having has? a bit of a break. He probably wasn't at the game. Or maybe he was. But come on, John. Send a message to your boys down there at the Forest. Time to pull the finger out. Uh thinking thinking... Uh what uh, about the games this week? Well, well, the thing is, we've
2: got two lots of games, so they've they've got a double line. Oh. They've got the Saturday, Sunday, then the Tuesday, Wednesday. So, so there's lots of games in there. Um, it's, it's hard to highlight, but I'm just going to pick a couple yeah, pick out a for you. Yeah. Uh, on the Saturday, I think uh, Forest Birmingham. Um, my dad's actually there at the game. He's actually the guest of honour uh, with the chairman, and uh, he obviously played for both of them. So he's over there with you. Uh, Samantha, my sister. Samantha, oh, yeah. Fantastic. And John's going to be here. And it, Bucket reckons he's going to be on yeah. the pitch as well.
1: Yeah, really. So you okay. could have
2: Johnny Boy on there as
1: well. So. But uh, you, Samantha, your sister, she'll have her hands full, won't she?
2: Uh, she will. She will. Um, so Isn't that, it great? That's, that's going to be good for him. This We think this is his last trip. So it's, uh, you know, I did it two years ago with him, which was fabulous. And, uh, that's this, this awesome. Be, and really, and, they and it's obviously... uncanny that the Birmingham are playing there. Yeah. Uh, but looking outside of that, I think the Leeds trip, uh, the Leeds trip to Wigan that will be interesting I think Millwall and Sheffield Wednesday for Mass Longa. there'll be a bit going on down there at the Den um, and I think maybe Bristol City to maybe have a little bit of a spike and come back and uh, do QPR now we've obviously got on the Sunday Reading and Cardiff so Cardiff there and thereabouts on three points they lost their first as we know in the opener and then in the midweek uh derby got bristol city hull have got blackburn rovers sheffield have got luton and maybe leeds brentford i think that could be a really good game uh, because i fancy both of them to be in the top six um and maybe qpr against swansea as it stands now
1: Mm, interesting games coming up too. obviously uh Two rounds uh, will transpire between now and when we're back on air next week. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, and the Australians will obviously get a uh, figure in a lot of those games as well. We might get John Beckett on next week just to Why give us we? a bit of a see, rundown, the, of, rundown of, the, the what of the Hennessy celebrations <laughs> at uh, Nottingham Forest versus Birmingham City. I reckon Birmingham, they've started the season well. Like if they get it another three points here, they're they're up and away. The Blue Noses, they're a proud club. They've they've got it against themselves this year with more transfer bans and uh, yeah. restrictions on who they can sign Stuff like that So so good luck to the Blue Noses Fantastic That's always good to talk about The championship We'll be back after the break When we have stoppage time And we'll be talking about Whatever we want to talk about Willem will we'll kick it off And I'll probably finish it So join us as we pontificate About everything we want to In stoppage time Box to box Can you believe it? The chemist warehouse
0: Home of real brands And real savings And storage gear. The king of storage Moving and more This could be the most crucial goal
1: Welcome back to Box to Box on Macquarie Radio NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Willem, Dean and Michael. And we have uh, six minutes and 45 seconds on the clock says the fourth official. I'm going to kick off with a few little items to talk about. We'll end up with FFA Cup round of 16. Just to have a bit of a preview of that coming up, obviously, this week. Caltech Socceroos, their Canberra brand for the Nepal game. So the first home game of the Socceroos is going to be in Canberra. Tickets are on sale right now. That was the reason I raised it. Australia versus Nepal in Canberra. Uh, first time we've played Nepal in a important fixture. will be interesting to see Nepalese, what, yeah. what the what the Gurkhas are like. The mountain men. Yeah, the mountain men. (laughs) Uh, They'll come off the altitude. They'll just walk down from Mount Everest, put on the boots and away we go. So, uh, get there on Thursday the 10th of October. All Australian fans in... Canberra, and maybe people from Sydney will drive down with them? Absolutely, possibility, yeah. Okay, the other the other item that I noticed uh, over the last week, which was of interest, was obviously a very big six months ahead for the Olly Roos, who play their Olympic qualification tournament, one of 16 teams, in Thailand in January. It's a three-week tournament uh, in Chiang Mai, Song La, Bangkok, and uh, also Chonburi. So, um, exciting times for the Olly Roos. They get to play the All Whites, or the New Zealand under-23 team, on the 6th of September and the 9th of September, the first game is at Wynn Stadium in Wollongong, the second game is at Campbelltown Stadium, obviously in Campbelltown, so uh, Sydney Siders, uh, fans of the of the Australian national teams, the Socceroos, get down and see the Ollie Roos, a uh, very big uh, few months ahead of them as they Not try. F- the other item that I wanted to come across my desk which I was interested about, and you know the things that interest me from time to time, is that Ben Wilson director of referees yeah he, he snatched it he said brother I'm out of here you can go and find a new one um, and also out of interest they go out of obviously um, the, the referees go away from being a responsibility of the FFA they're actually going to have their own organisation yep. uh, be separate to the FFA and separate to the A-League yep. and provide referees for all the professional games
2: which is like games. the ways that go in PFA and all yeah, of that so uh, of we do have a
1: bit of a fun we like uh, hanging on referees because that's what the game is about but Willem um, Ben Ben um, He had a decorated career as a referee, obviously. Mostly, he served um, the 2011 Asian Cup, the 2006 FIFA World Cup, 2009 Champions League Final, AFC Champions League Final, so he was a linesman mostly. Uh, But uh, Ben Wilson, after quite a long time as the head of referees for the FFA, he's leaving the building.
2: Do we know what he's doing? Do we know what he's Uh, doing? He's going
1: to Canberra to pursue uh, some employment outside of football. Okay. So good luck to Ben. Yeah, good luck to Ben. We wish him all the best. Um, Now, round of 16 in the FFA Cup. For those people that are like me, uh, we'll be sitting at home and watching it on the 21st of August. Which is coming up, not too far away. The game that they're covering is going to be Edgeworth Eagles and Newcastle Jets. Yeah, it's a local derby. Local derby. That joint will be absolutely jam packed. They'll be like sardines down there,
3: won't they? You an Edgeworth fan, Edge? I have to be, wouldn't I? Yeah, I would have thought so.
1: I have to be. <laughs> do yeah. like
3: the Jets because obviously edge. Laurie. No,
2: the Edge bet. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. I think most just yeah, just, for just, just just
1: just just.
3: I think well, we liked Tranmere oh, like, Rovers oh. a couple of weeks ago, so... Yeah, that didn't yeah. do any much good. Did,
1: no. Uh, Marconi Stallions, uh, Melbourne City, uh, up at Marconi. we interesting Olympic FC in Queensland, host Adelaide United... And the big one in Melbourne, of course. Uh, we should actually get out there to support Joe Salah. Moreland Zebras playing the Magpies Crusaders from Queensland. You
3: like them, don't I you? I do like the Magpies United Crusaders with Sundays. They're all involved. Oh, a, no. it, <laughs> it,
1: <it's, laughs> that is, isn't it? It's like your uh, the footy team you play for. Yeah, the Griffins. The yeah. Griffins. There's about 25 clubs have merged too.
2: Moreland have done well to get to this level. You know, round of 16 for a Div 2 team like in NPL, so, oh, of course. Fantastic. So a great,
1: uh, great achievement. And a historic club. Yeah. yeah. So they're the four games. Um, uh, let's pick some winners Edgeworth or Newcastle? Um, I think Newcastle Jets. Yeah, it's an opportunity for them to make the quarterfinals of the FFA Cup for the first time. So for me, it's the Jets. Jets for mine as well. Yep, Marconi and Melbourne City. Uh,
2: I've coached against Marconi Stallions in the FFA Cup and actually turned them over in the penalty shootout. Um, we, we scored very, very late, by the way, there. Very, very Got late. Out of the jail. We did. <laughs> um, but I think Melbourne City will be too big for them.
3: Yeah, me too. I think Melbourne City um, are shaping up quite nicely, so they will win. They look quite good in their first outing, so another couple of weeks down the line in pre-season. I'd expect them to win as well.
1: A, yeah. Olympic FC in Queensland versus Adelaide United. Uh, they're the, they're the, the heavyweights of... The Brisbane local football, they're the, the biggest club in terms of support base. They have the biggest budget. They tell me, Olympic FC. So I think this game will be closer than most people anticipate, but Adelaide will win.
2: Yeah, look, I think Adelaide. When they played the Knights, you just saw when they changed the gears, and they're another two weeks fitter from when the last time they showed out. I, and don't forget, a lot of these clubs are like they're at the back end of their season. They're getting a bit tired now. They're semi-professional, even though we do train quite hard. Uh, I think Adelaide.
3: Very proud record in this competition, Adelaide. I expect them to.
1: Yep, and the last game, it's the hometown one for me I'm going for the Zebras to defeat your Magpies, United Crusaders, Gold Coast, whoever they are
3: Yeah, fair enough, we're back in Joe Sulla, hopefully the boys get the result
2: Yeah, Joe's a good man, known Joe a long, long
1: time Imagine
3: the Moreland Zebras in the quarterfinals of the FFA Cup Uh, Have we got any more games to go?
1: That's it
3: Can can I just ask a question, boys? Do you think the FFA Cup is now mature enough that we can remove the fixed aspect that sees a state league club in the final four? Yeah, I think so because I think that was important in the first couple of years to generate a bit of excitement but yep. we see enough David versus Goliath upsets they call them so I'd like to see that removed and when it does occur it'll be even more special Yeah I'd like to see an open draw Yeah I, me I, too I, would, I, I
2: think would, yeah. I think it's most probably mature Yep And is that still under FFA rule It is So really the it'll be the FFA Cup it'll be the second division when it starts and it will be the
1: MPL. Yep Interesting times, isn't it? I think that's time. about it for Box to Box. We'll be back next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other. Rob Gilbert will be back in the seat. No doubt he's missing us. He will be. He's, uh, he's at some highfalutin function, we oh, hear. Good on him. Um, so we hope, we hope he's had yeah. a good time. I'm about sure us. he has. He's, <laughs> he's, he, he's missing us. Uh, let's hope he's not eating any bad chutney at the MCG. It was the chutney that was guilty in there, wasn't it? Yeah, it. Was the he, was was done sl- was done. he was yeah. slaughtering it. Okay, we'll see <laughs> next week on Box to Box when we go from one end of the pitch to the other.